Ball Weekly here. When I used to be on the show, I would always be calling out security all the time. Like, security. So I started thinking to myself, I said, Sam, I think you should start a security company. So I did. Have you ever heard of Homeland Security? Well, this homegirl security. Me. That's right. The Latinos I Love podcast. Every day is a new new story. Am I going to be tired today? I'm going to have energy today. I don't know what. But I wake up. I woke up this morning at five thirty. I had energy. I went grocery shopping, and then now I feel myself going. <laughs> yeah, girl. I had two of those things, babies. And I remember with one of them, I was working at Heineken. Shout out to Heineken USA. And I was in corporate and I had to take naps at like weird times of the day. So confession, Mm. this is my confession. I would go into the Mm. handicapped stall of the bathroom and set an alarm on my phone, tuck it in my bra and sleep Uh on the side of the bathroom stall for like 20 minutes. Pero ya tu sabes, you know how it is, right? It's the fatigue and it like slaps you in the face and you must rest. Out of nowhere, it'll hit you. You'd be like, ooh, I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, yeah, like trying to like, you know, get it on with your partner or kiss your partner and stuff. And it's like, I love you so. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I might have energy for this. No. (laughs) Anyway, I am so excited. LOLs, you hear the voice. We are here talking to none other than Bonquiqui, Angela Johnson Reyes. Is on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. This is such a proud moment for us here. Welcome, Angela. I'm Mamita. Thank you. You're very pregnant right now. I am. I am. I'm uh, maybe a month away. Yeah, about wow. a month away. This is so exciting. And if I'm not mistaken, you were diagnosed high risk. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say about a month away because we don't really know. Like my due date's a month and a half away, but they keep saying it might be sooner than that. So who knows? Can we talk a little pregnancy talk? I know you have so many yeah. projects, but we are following your pregnancy. And I say we the world and we're so excited. So when the news came down that it was high risk, I gasped. For air. I mean, this is a very crucial time. You're in your third trimester now. So can you talk to us a little bit about what are the high risk complications going on with your pregnancy right now? So they're saying that my baby's measuring too small, that she was in the less than three percentile. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I never understand the percentiles. And they're like, basically, 2% of babies at her age are smaller than her. 98% are bigger than her. So, um, less than three, it becomes severe, small and high risk. So they now have to monitor me twice a week where they, they check her heartbeat. They check the, um, blood flow in her umbilical cord. Uh, they do measurements of her and an ultrasound. Um, they check my amniotic fluid and, and all of that. And so 
at first I'm like, oh my gosh, twice a week I got to go to the doctors. Like that's going to be so hectic. But I just look at it as a blessing. Like, hey, I get to hear her heartbeat twice a week. I get to, you know, see her on the monitor twice a week. So great. We'll just look at it that way, you know. I completely understand that. And what an interesting point of view. Exactly. You're already, I mean, as soon as you get pregnant, you this mommy switch goes off right all of a sudden oh, you're, yeah. you're taking care of the the grandest jewel of life inside of you in utero and you just want to bubble wrap yourself you don't want to bump bump into walls and get any like you know sicknesses colds and stuff so here you are like in super protect mode with this almost ready you know this baby that's almost ready to come out and the doctors hit you with the now you got to walk on eggshells like you really got to walk on eggshells i know and they, I get it. Doctors got to say what they got to say. You know what I mean? But sometimes I'm like, do you really got, it's, it's almost like they're like, hmm, what else bad can happen that I can tell you about? You know what I mean? Like, what else can go wrong? Hmm, let me think. Like, that's how I feel. Cause you know, when I first, they, they were sending me for extra testing and they had me go into the hospital and, and all of that, I was fine. I was calm. I was like, and she's just small because I'm small. It's fine. It's whatever. And then he starts talking about, you know, we may have to take her out early because there's risk for stillbirth and blah, blah, blah. And then when he starts saying all that, then I'm I'm getting like all choked up. I'm like, wait, what? You know? And I'm like, don't let him see you cry. Don't let him see you cry. Just <laughs> don't <laughs> I'm show like, I'm your weakness. Gonna, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to give it to him. <laughs> but um, I still believe that you know, she's just small because she's a small baby, not because anything's wrong or, you know, I, I just, I, I believe that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. She's right where she's supposed to be. And, you know, that's part of my affirmations that I say in the morning is I'm right where I'm supposed to be in my life and my career. My baby's right where she's supposed to be. And that's it. And you move forward with that. That's all I can do. I can't control anything else. Amen. And you're going to be just fine. And she's going to be yes. just fine. And the world is praying for you guys. Thank and you. Can't wait to see a picture of that little baby girl. It's so exciting. Um, now, we could talk baby talk this whole podcast because, you know, as a mom, and I experienced tremendous um, difficulty having my babies. Mm. I did IVF, IUI, I coño, I mi madre, ay, ay, ay. Wow. All the eyes. Uh, and I had my two natural by the grace of God. Wow. After all those trials and tribulations and doctor's visits and blood work and HCG leveling and all, you know, monitoring and all the the TMI that you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of TMI in like the pregnancy world and obstetricians. Like they want to tell you everything and I get it. But, you know, I guess it goes to show that like having a baby is not the way it looked like on the Cosby show, okay? And, uh, yeah, exactly. It's not as easy as it's depicted in the media, you know, like, all right, she's ready to push, ha, 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 you know, baby girl, oh, it's a baby girl. That's really, I mean, in my case, my second was born, and I didn't even get to hold him. They put him in the NICU right away. He had to go inside of a, you know. Wow. And so for just a few hours, I felt 
broken. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. in the movies, they push the baby out and then they give it to you. Where's my baby? So it's very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very emotional. But I would like to talk about your career. And yes. if we can go chronologically, I know we have a bunch of projects to talk about. I've been audio listening to Who Do I Think I Am, which you guys is Angela's book. And it's so good. It's a memoir. We'll get into that. But I want to talk about the beginning Like once you learned you had this tool of making people laugh, being funny, how did you use it? How did you, what did you decide to do with it? Um, I abused it at first. Uh, (laughs) I, my dad, I get my personality from my dad. He's very funny. He's very charming. He's a ladies man. He knows how to use his personality to get what he wants. And I feel like that's what I did when I was in my early 20s is I knew how to charm people. I knew how, girl, because when you're out here chasing your dreams and you broke, you don't have like a real job and somebody asks you out on a date, you're like, well, I am hungry, so let's go, you know? (laughs) And girl, let me tell you, I was using my wit and my charm to get me the meals. You know what I mean? I'd be like, yes, come on. Um, but so I feel like, and I remember one time my mom, we were grocery shopping. I was younger because I was still at home. And my, I remember my mom telling me, you always flirt with everyone. (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't. That's just my personality. And that's my dad. Like my dad, he's just mm. charming. He's a charmer. Like the the grocery store clerk, he's got a one liner. He's got something funny to say. You say something, he's gonna say something funny, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, my, oh. you know what I mean? And um, I feel like I get that from my dad. And it wasn't something that I was consciously doing. I think looking back, I can now see that I was very aware that I, I had this comedic timing that I could make people laugh, that I could make people pause and look at me. You know what I mean? Like I knew how to grab the attention in the room, in the conversation. And, um, I think that's how I used it at first. And then I, I moved to Hollywood to be an actress and I was in this acting class at a church at the Oasis Church. And every Tuesday night was their creative arts night and they would do um, acting class, dancing class, singing, production, like whatever part of the industry you wanted to be in, they had a class that anybody could take if you went to the church. So I was in their acting class, they would do improv games and I would be really funny in the games. And there was a comedian there and she was like, hey, do you want to come take my joke writing stand-up comedy class? And I was like, I don't know. Is it free? And she was like, yeah, it's free. I was like, well, I guess so. Like I had no desire to be a comedian. It was just a free class that was being offered to me. So I was like, sure, I guess. And so I ended up taking her class and um, she taught us all the basics of like, not only just how to write a joke and structure it and different techniques, you know, the rule of three in comedy, the different techniques that you can use in joke writing. But she also taught us like stage etiquette and things that you, you don't, you learn by watching, I guess, but you know, everything from like when, when you're called, if you're hosting a comedy show, 
and you call up your next comedian, you don't leave the stage until they walk on stage. I've seen some comics leave the stage empty and then the next comic comes up and I'm like, oh, that's not etiquette. That's not how you do it. You got to wait and you shake hands and you hand off the baton. You know what I mean? But that was a whole thing that I wouldn't have known that. I learned that in the class. She taught us how to adjust the mic stand. She taught us how, like all the technical things that you wouldn't think are things to learn. She taught us how to do all of that. And um, so then I end up channeling my comedic timing and my personality, my storytelling, all into this craft called stand-up comedy. And all of that stuck with you, which I love. These classes, you know, the 101, it's so important. And what she was doing in paying it forward and educating y'all in that little group, that was probably just as fulfilling for her as it is for you right now recounting this memory. You know, I hope so. It's so important for everybody out there, no matter what your craft is, that when you get to that point where you feel you can share, that you do just that. There are people out there that need to, you know, in order to keep the funnel filled. And for us on this show, we talk a lot about the representation or lack thereof of Latinos in Hollywood, Mm. in media. And that funnel is super important to keep filled. I was just talking about this last night. We went to a premiere, um, uh, an upfront for NGL Me Too. Shout out to John Leguizamo and everybody who was in the building last night. And I'm seeing like the different generations. So there are those of us that have been doing it and then those of them that have been doing it for even longer. And then there were a lot of young people in the room. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Invite these people, show them this process. They need to know the 101, the etiquette, how to network. You know what I'm saying? So thank you for for sharing that. Um, Okay, so once you had these comedy tools in your arsenal, you wanted to become an actor so you went I want to hear about this Hollywood journey because you talk a lot about it in your book especially you know what cracked me up when your friend was like don't be an extra (laughs) and that's what you went off and did so let's talk about your first acting gigs and eventually I really want to get into mad tv we are sketch comedy geeks here and so I really want to dig into your process and characterization so talk to us about your Hollywood journey and how it started so when I first moved to LA this is before that church class this is everything um I moved to Hollywood to be an actress I thought I was going to be a dramatic actress I had no idea I was going to be funny I didn't know any of that I was like girl I'm about to be you know on Law and Order SVU that's gonna be me you know what I mean and I didn't know they filmed in New York I was like I'm going to Hollywood I'm gonna be on SVU they're like oh that's the other state (laughs) um hilarious So I moved to LA and I had a girl in the Bay who had told me, you know, don't be an extra. Nobody respects the extras. You're just like bottom of the totem pole. Like, don't be an extra. And so I came to LA and I had a friend here who was from the Bay as well. And she had told me, you know, if you ever move to Hollywood, I'll help you get started and I will help show you the ropes, how it works. And she kept her word. So when I got here, one of the first things she had me do was go sign up to be an extra. (laughs) And um, she was very specific with how she wanted me to sign up. She's like, okay, you're going to go to central casting, Mm -hmm. which, you know, cast all the extras. 
And um, she's like, there's going to be a line of people waiting outside to sign up to be an extra. Don't wait in line. Just go up to the front window. I want you to ask for Sam. I want you to bring him a tray of cookies and your headshot. And I want you to tell him that you're new to town and you want to be an extra. And just give him that. Don't fill out any paperwork. Don't do anything. Just give him that. And I was like, this sounds real sleazy. This sounds like, I don't know what you're sending me in to go do. Like everybody had warned me about the casting couches. And I was like, this feels like a setup. What is this? And um, so I get to central casting and sure enough, there's a line of people out the door. Everybody's trying to sign up to be an extra. And I'm walking past all these people. And I'm just like, oh my God, they know what I'm doing. Like they see me with my sleazy cookies. They see me (laughs) and I'm like, all these people are judging me. And um, so I get to the front window and I'm like, "Um, you know, I'm here for Sam. And then this guy comes out and he's wearing a Raiders hat. And I just came off of the Super Bowl cheering as an Oakland Raiderette. This was like maybe a month a month ago Woo-hoo! was the Super Bowl. I'm picking up and my pom-poms in the background for Angela right now. <laughs> it was like the Super Bowl was just one month ago. We were there. Um, and I have my Raiderette headshot. And he comes out wearing this Raiders hat. And so I hand him my sleazy cookies. And I hand him my Raiderette headshot. And immediately he's like, no way. Raiders. Oh, my God. Like, he's so excited. And I was like, yeah, you know, we were just at the Super Bowl. You know, like, totally just chalking it up. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Give me your phone number. We'll get you registered ASAP, blah, 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 blah. I get a few. I get a call a few days later um, from this Sam guy. And he was like, hey, uh, do you want to be an extra on Friends? And I was like. Friends? You mean like oh my, my favorite show of all time? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I do. And he was like, okay, <laughs> um, I I got you a spot on Friends. You gotta be there on Thursday. Now I know nothing about being an extra. Like, I don't know, but he's like, you know, you show up at this parking garage, you park here, you walk to this stage, blah blah blah. And I'm brand new. This is my first time. And I remember walking on the Warner Brothers lot and feeling so emotional. Ooh, what did you Just feel? Like, what were those feelings? Girl, like I had made it. Like it was magical. I'm walking by all these sound stages where they're filming all these different things. And then I remember walking onto the sound stage of Friends and I'm walking past the guy's apartment, the girl's apartment, Central Park coffee shop. And I'm I'm here to be an extra. But it, it doesn't feel, it, to me, it feels like I made it. The fact that I'm just here on this set, the fact that I had the courage and the boldness to dream big and say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it and try it. And here I am on the set of a TV show that I watched every day. Like, this is wild to me. And um, I, I took that opportunity as an extra to watch and learn. So where I had somebody advise me back home, don't be an extra. Nobody respects the extras. I wasn't there for respect. I wasn't there to make a name for myself. I wasn't there to be noticed, even though I was really good at it. I was there to watch and learn because this is what I wanted to do, but I knew nothing. So I remember I was quiet. I, I, there were, um, 
extras that would do the most that they would be like trying to talk to the actors and stuff like that. And the second they would try to talk to the actors, the eighties, like, uh, uh-uh, move them out. Nope. And I would <laughs> so see sad. that and I'd be like, I'm not trying to be that annoying person. So I would just do what I was told, you know, stand on my mark, go where I was told and offset. I would talk with the AD and he was a Latino guy. Ooh. And Yes, and Carlos Piñero is his name, and I'm Latina, he's Latino, he was funny, I was funny, so we would just make each other laugh, and then he'd be like, I'm going to bring you back tomorrow. I'm like, cool, so I come back tomorrow, and he's like, I'm going to bring you back next week. I'm like, cool, come back next week, and I ended up becoming friends with this guy, and he would just bring me back every week to be an extra on Friends because I knew my place. I wasn't trying to talk to nobody. I was watching and learning. I was learning how the actors would communicate with each other, how they would communicate with the crew. Um, I was learning what all these terms were to find your mark, to, you know, find your light, you know, all of these kinds of things. I'm watching and I'm learning from the number one actors on television at the time. Like I get to watch Lisa Kudrow, uh, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox. I'm watching how they learn their lines, how they rehearse everything. And I'm I'm just soaking it all up. And I ended up being an extra for two years for seasons nine and 10. Wow. Yes. And that <laughs> it's still one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had. That is so amazing. Now I'm going to rewatch Friends, those two seasons, and we're going to play Where's Waldo? We're going to play Where's Angela? What were oh, people do? They send me the screenshots and they'll <laughs> circle me and they'd be like, I found you. I'd be like, yep, that's me. My hair's so long, it's like down to like my waist, and like I still got my hoops on. Like, yes, <laughs> who leaves home without yeah. hoops? You know, what I mean? no Latina that I know. That is so great, and you know, that's a message right there. If everybody's listening, there's no easy way around earning your stripes. You mm-hmm. you also feel, again, a sense of fulfillment by earning them. I've also yes. worked background. Here in New York, there's a ton of shows, you know, and mm-hmm. there were laborious hours of being mm-hmm. either, you know, outside. It's an exterior shot and got to keep running back. I did SVU and it was a protest scene. So we had to keep marching towards the stage back and forth, back and forth. It was so cold, girl, girl, girl. Oh. It was so cold that day. They gave out hand warmers and I put them everywhere under my teta. I just, yeah. I, I stuck them all <laughs> up and down my body to stay warm. You know, those hand activated oh, warmers. Yes. But stripes, stripes were earned that day. I went home yes. tired as hell. It was a two day shoot. And I was just like, I didn't even say anything and I'm exhausted. Like I had no lines to remember, but I'm watching the greats. Ice T's on set. You know, he is, I believe, the longest uh, running TV actor in a series. He's been on there for, I think, 22 seasons. Like, that is incredible. Anyway, uh, I just want to say to the Eloeleros, Angela attested to it. She's earned her stripes. We all earn stripes. And in this business, that that 
it comes back to you later on, right? When you, you know, mm-hmm. you're accumulating your success and you're like, well, I may not have understood the value of this production if I didn't know what everybody here was doing, including background, including mm-hmm. extras. Um, so yeah. you talked about some some jobs, you know, that you've had. Um, you were a Raider et, which I actually didn't even yes. know the Oakland Raider girls um, were called Raider et. Before we get into some more show business questions, what were some of the worst jobs that you've had before showbiz, coming up, you know, high school? Well, I've had a lot of different jobs. And I feel like I could fantasize anything and make it seem glorious. Like, oh, this would be great. Like one time I worked at a printing company, like a Kinko's, but it was a family-owned business. And I remember walking in and they're just like the printer machines and stuff. And I was like, this would be nice to work here. And I'm like, why? What? I don't know. I just needed a job is what it was. And it was right by the university, by Santa Clara University. And I remember I messed up one time. I don't tell a lot of people this, but I messed up somebody's very important paper. So I worked at the printing company and this person had a very important project that they just needed a three hole punched and put into this binder. Girl, so is thick, right? I had to take it in sections and three hole punch it. Why did I accidentally three hole punch it backwards on a no. section? Oh, girl. girl. Yes. That sounds yes. holy, like a holy mess. Yes. And then, so I had to flip it around and three hole punch it again on the other side. So like if you're flipping through their project, some of it has three hole punches on the opposite end. And I never said anything. I was just like, here you go. Have a good day. I hope you get a good grade. (laughs) I'd be over here messing up people's projects. Um, I was a waitress at so many different restaurants. I worked at an amusement park at, uh, it was called Paramount's Great America back in the day. Um, that was my very first job. I was 14. I had a work permit and, um, I used to work in like the restaurants and the stores. I would, oh, that was actually my first introduction to like performing before I knew I was performing because I was 14 and I was working in the games area and there was that one game where people would walk by and there's a big, huge scale and you had to guess people's weight. Oh yeah, for sure. Or you you had to guess the month they were born, right? And um, so I'm on a microphone. My whole job was to try to get anybody walking by to come and play my game. So I'm 14 using my dad's wit, personality, comedic timing, all the the charm that my dad taught me. I'm now on this little microphone trying to get all these people walking by to come and play this game. And then I'd be like flirting with guys that they'd be walking by. and And I'm just like being silly. And then they would come over. I don't know what it was. There was no trick to the game. There was no answer code or anything. You really, we really just guessed. I would get it right a lot of times. And people would be like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, 
I'm really just using my intuition and I would like ask people questions like so you try to figure out what month they were born and I'd be like I'm looking at their hair color and their eye color and then I'm like asking them questions like what's your name how many siblings do you have and I'm just none of these questions mean anything but I'm just like using my own intuition and then I would guess and they would be like oh my gosh that's right like how do you know that it, it was so weird but anyways that was my Yo. first we, Angel, we love to play games here on Latinos Out Loud. Could I pause and uh, can we see if you still got it with me? Yes, Let's try. see. Okay, I'm ready and I'm gonna just give you a blank stare to not give you any clues on my birthday. Do you need to see my body? Do you want to guess my weight as well? Let me see. I haven't done this in a while. I'm definitely not gonna guess your weight though, because um, I'm not gonna do that. Um, okay, I'm gonna. But. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to hold my pom-poms. Again, this is a cheerleader-themed episode because I'm one of Angela Johnson's biggest cheerleaders and she doesn't even know it. Um, but here's my body. Here's my pom-poms. Okay. Here are yes, my chichos. Honey. I got some chichos that you got to account yes. for. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Question. Let me ask you questions. Sure. Uh, do you have siblings? Yes. Two, an older brother and an older sister. Shout out to Madeline and Eddie in North Carolina and Tampa, Florida. Ooh, ooh. How, how old are they? Okay. My brother is... Gotta do some math real quick. Although I love him, I can't really remember at this moment, but I believe he's 53. And my sister okay. is 52. Okay. Okay. Let me see. Hold on. I, okay, and I always, here's the thing too. You need to I have a close. month that I go to immediately, but it could be completely off. Like, it's just my, my first guess out the gate, and I feel like it's gonna be wrong, but I'm just gonna say it anyways, October. Ooh, no, no, that is incorrect. Yeah. Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Not I so that's far what I, off. That's what I Not so far off. Um, my first my first love's birthday was in October, so you're kind of close. Okay. I was mm -hmm. feeling something. I was feeling something October-y. Um, okay, uh, what's your favorite color? Purple. My favorite color was purple growing up. Oh my god. Are you for real? Day. I yes. love purple. I love purple and I love when it's time like for Easter because the church around here is all purple and we go and it's just nice and I color coordinate my Easter outfit to the purple. Um, I love purple. Uh, should I give you a hint? Did you grow up in New York? I sure did. Brooklyn, born and raised, but now I'm on the island of Manhattan. Okay. Okay. This Shoot. is so fun. This is so fun. I love this. I... <laughs> August. Are you for real? Are you serious? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Good, good, good. I, listen, I knew what? October wasn't it, but I, it was just the first thing that popped. So I had to say the first thing that popped in my head, but. How did you? August. I don't know how you did that. No, true talk. That was the second guest. There are 12 months and that was great. August 12th is my birthday. And my wedding. Oh my gosh, my sister's August 11th. Leo's. Aren't we good people? Mm. I mean, talk about it. You know, that's yeah. not a great interview question. It's not. But Leo's, we're good people. And, and I know Are how you much a you love us. Are you a to perfectionist? My, only to myself, you know? Uh -huh. To my, for my yeah. own stuff, everybody else's stuff, I'm like, you're good. This is great. It's golden. You're fine. Yeah. But with my own stuff, I'm like, slap. 
It's not perfect. You used right, Arial right, right. instead of Calibri font. Go back to the word duck and use uh-huh. Calibri. That's that's me. Um, and my weight? Do you have any idea what my weight is? Uh, you could be wrong. You could be right. It's okay. Don't matter. Um, how tall are you? Five foot two and a half. Ah, I'm 5'3". Ooh. I'm going to say stand up again. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, and this is going to be real. Never do this. Everybody listening right now, never guess a female's weight, what I'm about <laughs> to do right now. Never do it to yourself. Pero it's okay because it's female to female. Had it been like male to female, it would not be going down <laughs> every, like this. Every answer is rude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and I'll give you another tidbit of information. I used to okay. weigh, I used to weigh 225 pounds. Damn. You worked out. What'd you do? I stopped eating like a Dominican. That's what I stopped doing. I would cut my ah. portions in half and I got over the eating disorder that I had for a uh-huh. really long time. And especially, Angela, this is a touching question, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I kept getting pregnant. I lost five pregnancies. So during those oh, wow. years, yeah, during those years where I was trying to conceive, the whole Dominican family, like as soon as I got mm-hmm. pregnant, they're like, ay, tú tienes que comer because there's two people. You got to eat for two, eat for two, eat for two. Uh-huh. So during all those pregnancies, that was also part of it. I kept eating like I was pregnant even when I wasn't pregnant. My brain mm-hmm. was just programmed to eat these portions of sancocho, arroz con gandule, pastelito, mm-hmm. de todo. Uh, and so I had to stop that cycle. And I also have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And wow. it's it's hormonal and it, it's just a barrier in me losing weight. My metabolism is a lot slower than uh-huh. other women and I don't process uh-huh. sugar the way other women do. So I had those two strikes. So I had to stop the overeating and add wow. a lot of physical exercise into my regimen. And I'm still not at goal, but it does feel good to have done this the natural way and it's took wow. four years. This has been a journey of years, girl. Um, That's but incredible. Where do you think I am right now? I'm so curious. I want to know the numbers you think I'm at. I'm going to say uh, 146. Woo! Guys, are you for real? I, I just weighed myself two days ago and I was at 146.5. And Stop is- it! But I haven't weighed myself in two days, and I've been going in because I gained nine pounds. I'm trying to get to 135, but you are absolutely uh. correct. Without the decimal point, 146. What? Wow. Angela! <laughs> Yo, you're really good at this. Oh, my gosh. This is fun. Well, this that's been... I was doing when I was 14. Well, LOLeros, that's been Guess Loca's Height and Weight with Angela Johnson Reyes. <laughs> that was a great game. Uh, let's get back into, do you have any other terrible jobs that you want to share? Uh, well, I mean, that one was pretty fun, but terrible Sounds jobs, like I mean, just waitress. I, I don't know that I've had like a terrible job. I had a bunch of different jobs. I was a go-go dancer. I was. Say what? I worked for a princess party company where I was a clown. Um, <laughs> I can see that. I I worked at a pool billiard hall. I've worked as a person. Oh, I was a PA for one day and I couldn't do it. Production assistant. Yeah. I on did what one project day of that? 
What I kind don't of even remember. It was a reality show. It was a reality show. And my friend was a producer on it and she got me the job. I lasted one day and I was like, girl, the same for me. I can't do this. No, 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 no. Y um, por qué? What was that like? Why Why are you so anti? The, I, I was driving around everywhere, picking up stuff, waiting for things, like go sitting in traffic. I couldn't do it. I was like, no, I didn't like this. I don't know. I didn't like it. I was like, I'll it's go, I'll go back to being a waitress. Yeah. yeah, it's a really tough job. I, I PA'd a game show one time and I'm slicing cheese for like the celebrities to throw at each other. And I'm like, what is my life? What ah. what, what is my life? <laughs> but, you know, right. again, earning stripes and I like production. Production is fun to watch because it's like part of the puzzle and, you know, but it's not for everybody. OK, Angela, I mentioned earlier here on Latinos Out Loud, we are sketch comedy geeks. We're sketch comedy nerds. I'm a UCB girl, you know, studied all the stuff in UCB New York and I support the craft so much. I have learned so much from you. Angela Johnson Reyes. And I speak on behalf of many comedians on the come up when we say we watch you not just to laugh, to learn. Character development. I really want to shout you out for Bonquiqui. Everybody, Bonquiqui Mad TV is is a staple in my comedic development. You know, it's a staple in, in what I've learned, what I've been watching on television to mimic to be like. And I want to thank you. And like the kids say, give you your flowers. Have you heard that term? I love that. Term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you your flowers for that. Now, I would really like to get granular with the questioning around Bon Quique yes. and Mad TV. I would I like to it. talk about process and structure. How did you develop Bon Quique? Where did she come from? Who inspired her? Here's the crazy thing. I never did Groundlings, sketch comedy school, anything. The only comedy class I did was that free joke writing class at a church. Everything else has come from intuition and instinct and that gift that either you're born with it or you're not. You you can take classes to help you hone it in. Um, but if you have a natural comedic instinct, it's just there. And um, Bonquiqui, any any joke that I tell, any story that I tell, I'm very observational from people go, oh, you're good at accents. I'm good at some accents, yeah. But I listen and I mimic and I copy. And the same thing with what I see with different types of people. I can mimic mannerisms. I can mimic your hair flip, your whatever it is that you do. So like when I first got the audition for Mad TV, they were like, all right, you need to come in with three celebrity impressions and three original characters. I don't have original characters. I don't know how to come up with characters. But I took a free joke writing class where I wrote some jokes about like my grandpa. I wrote some jokes about, you know, my family. And I was like, okay, so maybe I will just take these jokes that I wrote where I'm acting them out and I'll just like 
package them a little more. I'll act them out a little more. Instead of my grandpa, I'll make it my grandma so that it's a female and I can act her out. So I would be like, okay, this is my grandma. She's not really good with technology. And then I'm just doing the joke that I wrote in my stand-up comedy class, but I'm acting her out a little more with like facial expressions and things like that. Um, my celebrity impressions... I had never done celebrity impressions before, but this brand new thing called YouTube just came out and there was lots of videos of people on there. So I started thinking, okay, well, who are Latina celebrities that I could probably impersonate on a TV show? Let me just pick those. So I picked Jennifer Lopez, Rosalind Sanchez, and at the time, Paula Abdul was a judge on American Idol. Yes. So... In my observation, the things that I would see, Paula, it was at the time when it seemed that she was intoxicated on the episodes and when she would clap, she had a very certain way that she would clap <laughs> over her head and one hand was always higher than the other and it was always <laughs> over her head. And so I I would watch, learn and mimic. And I, I, I watched a bunch of Jennifer Lopez interviews and I would notice things that she would do like in her red carpet interviews and um she had a laugh that she would do is very high pitch and a raspy laugh and um she would wave a lot and when she would wave at the fans it was a open close <laughs> wave it wasn't a finger wave it wasn't a wave your hand like I wave like this at people and she waves like this and so I would notice she would wave like that. And so there was this one interview that I watched and she was being interviewed by the guy and he was like, look into the camera. We're with, you know, the news station in Philadelphia, blah, 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 blah. And she looks into the camera and she goes, hi, Philly. And then just waves and she does her little like <laughs> her laugh that she would do. And I haven't done it in a long time. Please don't quote me on this Jennifer Lopez it's, impersonation. Um, <laughs> but when I went into my audition, I said, this is Jennifer Lopez on the red carpet. And all the producers and casting would ask me questions as if they were the person interviewing me on the red carpet. Yes. My answer to everything that they asked me was I would laugh and wave and I would say hi Philly everywhere and they thought it was hilarious that I chose to make Jennifer Lopez only say these three things on the red carpet like robotically but really it was the only things that I could mimic of hers that sounded like her and so that's what I did and I was just that was the funny part was she just keeps saying the same thing no matter who are you wearing today <laughs> hi <laughs> and that's all I would do. And they're like, oh my God, this is hilarious. But little did they Perfect. know, that's just all I could do. I can't really do her voice. Like I can only laugh like her and say hi. Um, Great. And then Rosalyn Sanchez, I did her as well. And I, I actually was... Uh, <laughs> I was on Rosalind's podcast with her and her husband and I, I told her that I auditioned as, as her for Mad TV. And she was like, what Oh my God, did what did say? you do? <laughs> uh, she, she was very interested to know how I, I impersonated her. And I was like, well, there's a few things that I noticed about you is one, you talk with your chin up 
but you look down over your nose. So you, you talk to people and you're seen like this. And um, oh I said, your Spanish, your accent is very fast and it's in the front of your mouth. Like everything you say, you say with the front of your mouth with your lips like this. And it was when she was on her, like, what was her show without a trace? And so I was like, your, your chin was always up. You're looking down over your nose and it's very, did you get a good look at the suspect? And it's everything right here in the front of your mouth. And you, you're saying it so fast. And um, so I, I did Rosalind Sanchez and Paula Abdul. And um, my original characters, I came in with like my, gra- my grandma. And I said, this is my sister. She wants to be a rapper. Her name is Bon Quigley. I came in with Bon Quigley. And then I came, I forget the other one that I came in with. Um, and that was it. And I, I booked the show. And I remember thinking like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, I fake it till you make it because that's exactly what I did. Like, I came in with my personality, with my confidence and was like, well, let's see if this works. And it worked. And I booked the job. What a story. What a great story. So in the writer's room, how was Bonquiqui present? Did you bring, like, how how did she get baked into the show? So this is a good story. It's interesting because we're currently in a writer's strike right now that just greenlit, like, yesterday. The last time we had a writer's strike was when I was on Mad TV. And um, I joined the show, and we're in the writer's room, and there are some amazing people on the show at the time. Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan yes, Peele. Yes. Um, everybody's in this room and they're just all so talented and they have all the writers in the writer's rooms. And I remember they would ask me like, Hey, can you do Tila tequila? You know, from like MTV or I forget what she I was remember on. Te- but, <laughs> Where um, is she now? Wow. That's a good one. All, all the writers were like pumping out scripts as fast as they could because they knew they're about to go on a writer's strike. So they were trying to pump out scripts so that we had stuff to film before they went on strike, but they didn't know how to write for me yet because I was brand new. So I ended up becoming like detective number two in this sketch or, you know, I'm secretary in this sketch or whatever. And I have like two lines in each sketch because they don't know how to write for me. But on the show, we were able to write for ourselves and pitch it. And so I wrote a Bone Quickly sketch where she works at King Burger and she gets fired from every job that she has. That's her personality. So I end up writing this Kingburger sketch. And, and when you write your sketch, you cast it with your castmates. So you pick people to be your cast in there. I'm like, okay, Mr. Williams, that's going to be Michael McDonald. Okay, this person, Krista Flanagan, she's going to play this person. And you cast it how you want to cast it. And there's a, a binder with a stack of sketches like this big. And you sit around this huge conference table and we go through the sketches and everybody reads it. Like your cast, everybody who wrote sketches, whether it's the writer or the other castmates, if you see your name in there, that's who you play. So you're like, okay, I'm going to play the Native American girl in this sketch. Okay, cool. Right. And then you read, we go through reading through all the sketches and um, it gets to my Bone Quickly sketch. We all go around the table. Everybody reads their part. And they end up picking Bone Quickly to be filmed that week. And it was 
very unexpected. They they sat me down with another an actual writer on the show to like tighten up the sketch and and you know fill in the blanks because again I'm not a sketch writer. Like I was just trying to put myself out there. And um, so they sit me down with a writer. We tighten it up a little bit and we end up filming it. And um, we did one sketch of Bonquiqui. I was in a total of four episodes as other random characters before the writer's strike hit. And um, once the, we came back from the writer's strike, there were budget cuts. And by budget cuts, I mean me. I was cut from the show. So I really only did four episodes of Mad TV, one Bone Quickly sketch, and that was it. And then I was let go from the show. And nobody knew how big Bone Quickly was going to be. If they did, they wouldn't have let me go. But this was, it, it aired on TV, on Fox. Later on, after I'm let go from the show, it gets uploaded to this brand new thing called YouTube and it starts flying on YouTube. Millions and millions and millions of people are watching this video. And they're like, when are you gonna do another Bonquiqui sketch? And I'm like, oh, I'm not on the show anymore. Like that was it. That was like a one and done thing. And it was nuts. How powerful of a character. Right. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of lessons learned here, too. And some of those executives probably kicked themselves in the tuchus, as we Jews say. Um, <laughs> but hats off to you, because, wow, what a remarkable character. And if I heard correctly, inspired from your sister, because it was a sister that wanted to she wanted to be a rapper. That's cool. Well, that's how I presented her in the audition. She's really Bonquiqui is really inspired by my brother. But it's silly to say that so because like I'm a girl so I'd be like oh this is my sister she wants to be a rapper but really Bonquiqui is inspired by my brother who at the time was not sober and he was a very hot mess and he would say whatever he wanted to say he had no filter but he's also funny as hell he's a trendsetter he starts talking a new way he comes up with new slang words like kind of like how Bonquiqui does like Bonquiqui would say something then everybody wants to copy her and everybody wants to say it too everybody wants to say security like, I will cut you like all the things but that's my brother <laughs> my brother is that type of guy who he'll come up with a new word and now everybody around him says the new word and that's how my brother has been. So and he's sassy. He would get in fights all the time. Like, so the Bonquiqui is a mix of my brother. And um, I went through a Burger King drive through in Memphis, Tennessee, when I was a teenager. And this girl on the drive through I had never experienced anything like her before. She was very much like Bonquiqui is at King Burger. Just like, go ahead with your order. Girl, what? No, this, uh-uh. No, you, you're you not going to have that. Like, just, but I couldn't, I was like, oh my gosh, I have never experienced anybody like this. And so Bonquiqui is like my brother and this girl from Burger King in Memphis, Tennessee that I met years ago. And that's how I auditioned with her. 
Wow, that's really remarkable. Oh my God, I love these stories. Speaking of stories, I would like to segue to the book because Eloeleros, if you're enjoying these Angela Johnson Reyes stories like I am, then you would love her memoir. Her book, Who Do I Think I Am, which is now out on softcover, right? Yeah, tell I us, am. Tell us about this exciting chapter, no pun intended. So my book is called Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. And it's twofold. Who do I think I am is stories of self-identity. Growing up Mexican and American, I didn't speak Spanish. My last name was Johnson. I wanted to be a chola real bad, but nobody was scared of little payasa Johnson. Like it just didn't work. And um, it was like me always trying to be more Latino than I felt that I actually was. And trying to figure out like who I am and balancing like being super American, but also super proud to be Latina. Um, but it's also who do I am? Who do I think I am to dream such big dreams and go for them? Who do I think I am to say something outrageous? Like I want to be an actress one day. Like what did I know about being an actress? I'm just this little Mexican girl from San Jose. I didn't know anything the audacity I would have to say something like I want to be an actress one day. I might as well say I want to be a princess. Like that's how far-fetched it felt saying something like that. Like that felt like something that's for special people being an actress. That's for like people with money or people like that's not for us, you know, like that's what it felt like. And, um, so who do I think I am is stories of self-identity. And it's also like, who do I think I am? to dream such big dreams and go for them to say, I want to be an actress and go for it. Who do I think I am to show up uh, at an audition for mad TV when I've never taken a sketch comedy class and just like researching videos on YouTube? Like who do I think I am stepping into a room with network executives and showing up as me, just this little Mexican girl from San Jose who didn't go to school, never went to university. Um, who do I think I am stepping into all of these scenarios stand-up comedy, going into comedy clubs, going into theaters, like who do I think I am? So it's it's a lot of that. It's who am I in my faith, in my life, and who who am I in in uh how dare you dream big? How dare you? It, it's it's twofold. It's both of those things. I love the dedication of the book. In the beginning, you dedicate it to a younger Angela Johnson. I, it's just so touching. Um, it's courageous. It's inspiring. It's infectious. And I really want everybody out there to go. The book is everywhere. I'm doing the audio book, and I love that you narrate it, which is so just incredible. Your voice is perfect. Your joke telling Thank within you. the text is just great. I feel like I'm, you know, Thank at a you. fireside chat or you're just like I'm in a sala with you and you're just telling these stories. I love the cheerleading stories. There's, you know, mental health stories of imposter syndrome. And, you know, I think that's really mm -hmm. that resonates with all of us, not only those of us pursuing careers in show business, whatever career you're pursuing. It's hard sometimes when you right. walk into a boardroom or a conference room and there are these people that are just like judging you right away and testing you out and seeing how right. smart you are. And if you know your chops, that takes courage. 
Um, and thank you for just putting all of that into a book for us to build strength with. So have you been doing a book tour? Have you been out there with the book pregnant or how, how are you doing all of this, Angela? I did my tour 2022. We did over a hundred cities. Um, it was fantastic. Had a great time. And from that, I filmed my new hour special, which premieres on May 14th on YouTube. And whoop, whoop. this is basically my life after COVID, all the things that have changed for me since COVID and um, moving to the South and spending time in Nashville, uh, being a California girl living in the South, all the different things that I've had to learn. Uh, so this is my my new hour of comedy, and it comes out May 14th on YouTube. It's called Fantastic. Say I Won't. Say I Won't, just in time for Mother's Day. You're about to oh, be yes. come a mother. Yes, yeah. it, just... it comes out on Mother's Day. So exciting. Thank you so much. Um, my last question for you, Angela, and this ties into all the communicating you do with a younger you. If you had younger Angela right in front of you right now, what are some words of advice that you would give her on navigating the industry as a Latina? I would say show up as yourself. Um, I think I tried to be who I thought people wanted me to be in the beginning, but um, show up as yourself. And I like to say, do you and do you well. Um, there's only one you. There's people who may look like you. Like if I get an audition for Detective Rodriguez and I show up at that audition, there's going to be, you know, 15 other girls in the room that look just like me. We're all wearing the same thing. We're all wearing like a blazer and jeans probably. Um, we're all saying the same words when we go into that audition. But there's only one you. There's only one person with your childhood, your perspective, with your abusive father, with your time you got in that car accident and now you have trauma from it, with your, uh, that one time you were in an abusive relationship or whatever it is, like all the things that make you you, your perspective, your point of view. Yes, I'm coming into this audition. I'm saying the same lines that all these other girls are saying it. But I'm saying them with me behind it. I have my own point of view of how this character would handle this type of situation. So when you go into the room, whether it's a boardroom, whether it's a meeting with your boss to try to get a raise, whether it's to go into the bank to try to get a loan, whatever it is, you go in with the confidence, knowing that there's only one you, you're, you're unique, you're special. So show up for yourself to the best of your ability, leave it all there because it's just do you and do you well. That's it. That's it. Spoken wisely, y'all. Eloeleros, one time, stop your cars, stop your vacuums, whatever you're pushing right now, and put your hands together for Angela Johnson Reyes. Make sure you get the book, Who Do I Think I Am? Catch the special on YouTube, May 14th, and let's continue to support this brilliant gem of the culture. 
Angela, thank you so much for your time and good luck. We are praying for you for a happy, safe, healthy, and fast delivery of baby girl. Thank you. And we hope you'll come back one day on the show. And what a what thank a really you. fun time to watch from afar. Uh, you're shining. You're glowing, as they say. Thank you, honey. The Latinos Out Loud Podcast. Oh.